Hey creator, I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. And before we get started with today's podcast on five tips for fair use on social media, I wanted to let you know about my new website. It's iancorzine.com. There I give you links to my free social media law guides and checklists that help you make better videos music, and podcasts on social media. You can also schedule a one-on-one consult with me and I can give you some in-depth legal advice for your social media law questions. You can also join my copyright club and have exclusive access to my masterclass on social media law subjects like copyright, trademark, and other business matters. For all that, just go to iancorzine.com. All right, let's hit this. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and this is the podcast for social media creators and entrepreneurs that want to know more about the law as it applies to their content. Today, I'll be talking about fair use, which is a huge subject on social media these days. If you post copyrighted material on social media and do not follow fair use rules, you're gonna get blocked, you're gonna get a copyright strike, or worse, you could be sued for copyright infringement and face up to $150,000 per violation. It's scary stuff. By the way, if you want to reach me during the podcast or after, please email me at podcast at iancorzine.com. That's podcast at iancorzine.com or hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine. I always tell people that fair use is the key to social media. Understanding the fair use rules, understanding American law as it applies to fair use, and also understanding social media platforms rules as it applies to fair use is your key to successful social media. You know, fair use is an American law. It's uh, codified at Title 17 USC Code Section 107. And it basically says you, as the creator, can use other creators' copyrighted work without their permission so long as you transform the original creator's art and make it your own. How do you transform it and make it your own? You do what the Two Live crew did in 1989. In 1989, the Two Live Crew, which was a rap group in the 1980s, wrote this song called Pretty Woman. And as a part of their writing the song, they sampled Roy Orbison's Oh Pretty Woman and that da-na-na-na-na. And they also used the chorus Pretty Woman. And after they wrote the song, they actually approached Roy Orbison and they said, Hey, Roy, can we use the sample and can we use this chorus for our song? And Roy looked him straight in the face and said, No way. But being two live crew and the rebels that they were at that time period, they decided to go ahead and use that sample and use that chorus anyway, and they made over $250 million on record sales for this song, 
Pretty Woman. So Roy did exactly what any normal music artist would do, and he brought a copyright infringement lawsuit against the Two Live crew. The bottom line is they used his sample uh, verbatim. They used his chorus that he wrote way back, I think, in the 1960s, and they did not give him credit. They did not give him a share of profits, and so as a result, he was entitled to recover the profits from the song Pretty Woman that Two Live Crew made. Well, after going up and down on the federal courts, this case eventually landed on the U.S. Supreme Court's desk, and the U.S. Supreme Court did an interesting thing. They went through the song, and they listened to it. Uh, they really got a feel for the lyrics, and they decided that Roy Orbison was wrong. There was no copyright infringement in this case. Why? Because the two live crew had transformed the song, had materially changed the song, and made it their own, and created a parody of the original song. Now, a parody is an imitation of a style of art with exaggeration for comedic effect. So what that means is the two live crew took Roy Everson's original song, which was really kind of an ode to a, a pretty woman, and they actually made a kind of a funny parody about it, about a woman that wasn't so pretty. And the Supreme Court thought that was very interesting. After recognizing that the two live crew was a parody, they took it through the fair use factors, which we're going to discuss in a few moments. But before we get there, I wanted to ask the audience today, have you ever put something up on social media, maybe put a meme or put some popular music on your Instagram account or maybe did a video that reviewed copyrighted material on YouTube and claimed fair use? If you have, please email me at podcast at iancorzine.com. I'd love to hear from you about your stories of use of fair use or perhaps you got blocked or a copyright strike or a copyright claim. I'd love to hear about that. So email me at podcast at iancorzine.com. Now, before we get into the fair use factors that the U.S. Supreme Court used in the Orbison versus Two Live Crew matter, we want to talk about per se fair use. It's kind of a double-edged analysis. On one hand, when you're determining whether fair use exists, you look for these per se factors. And fair use can be present if you use someone else's copyrighted art it's music, audio clips, video clips, photographs, and you parody them, or you comment or criticize them, you use them for an educational purpose, or you use it for as a part of a news report. In the American legal analysis, courts often go to these per se categories and see, hey, does this use of copyrighted content without permission fall basically into one of these categories? And then they move on to do a more in-depth legal analysis by looking at the four fair use factors. The first one is purpose and character of the use. The second one is commercial or non-profit use of the copyrighted work. The third is nature of the copyrighted work, and the fourth is the effect on the potential market. So first factor, in the Two Live Crew case, the Supreme Court looked at the purpose and character of the use. So they looked at the song Pretty Woman by Two Live Crew, and they analyzed that its purpose was really a parody, is to make fun of the original, and they thought that this counseled in favor of fair use. Now, the song the Two Live Crew made had a major commercial purpose. Actually, the song made many millions of dollars for the Two Live Crew, so that factor weighed in favor of Orbison. Then they looked at the nature of the copyright work. In this particular case, you know, the copyright work was Oh Pretty Woman, which is a iconic song 
in American history. So as a result, when they looked at that and they looked at how much was used, which was just a little portion of the da-na-na-na-na and also the pretty woman, that could counsel in favor of it not being a fair use and being copyright infringement. And then they looked at the final factor, effect on the potential market, and they said, you know, I don't think anyone is going to listen to two live crews, pretty woman, instead of Roy Orbison's Oh Pretty Woman. They're for two entirely different audiences. One is kind of looking to laugh and obviously listen to two live crew type rap music. And the other is just going to listen to old uh, Roy Orbison songs. So this factor really weighed in favor of the two live crew being a fair use. The two live crew was not trying to replace Roy Orbison's hit. They were just trying to parody it. And as a result, the U.S. Supreme Court found that the two live crew was not liable for copyright infringement and Roy Orbison lost the case. All right, let's get into another example of how you transform copyrighted art that you wanna post on social media and you use the fair use doctrine to be able to allow you to do that post. In the 1970s and 80s, there was this guy named Bill Graham who was a big concert promoter. And one, one thing that was unique about his particular promotion for concerts was that he commissioned the design of a concert poster for each and every concert that he held. And the purpose of this, of course, was to sell more tickets. You saw some beautiful art that's plastered across the city in which the concert is going to take place, and people were excited about it and wanted to go to concerts. Well, in 2003, there was a company called Dorling, and they came in and they wanted to make a coffee table book based upon the Grateful Dead's concerts and their history. And so what they did is they included seven of Bill Graham's posters, his concert posters, in this coffee table book, did not get permission, and they published the book and made lots of money. So what Bill Graham's people did, naturally, is they sued Dorling for copyright infringement. They didn't get permission to use the concert posters in the coffee table book, and, the, and Bill Graham was entitled to profits that Dorling made on the coffee table book. Well, the court considered the fair use factors in its analysis, particularly the purpose of the use and the commercial context uh, factors, and decided that Dorling's coffee table book was a fair use. And the main reason for this holding, uh, I believe, was because they looked at the purpose of the coffee table book. As we discussed before, Bill Graham's concert posters were designed originally in the 70s and 80s to sell more tickets. However, this coffee table book actually used these seven identical copies of the posters not to sell more tickets for the Grateful Dead or whatever concert uh, the, the actual concert posters were advertising, but to be able to document the history of the Grateful Dead and the bands of that time. They used it as kind of an educational purpose or they used it as kind of a news reporting purpose. And so as a result, the court found that Dorling's use of these identical concert posters was a fair use and there was no copyright infringement. So to conclude our discussion on fair use and the five tips that I'm going to give you to be able to use fair use in the social media context, I wanted to take you through the analysis for a moment. If you have a situation where you want to use popular music on your Instagram post, if you have a situation where you want to take a photograph and you want to recolor it and then post it, let's say, to Facebook or to Pinterest or something like that, if you have a situation where you want to use old video and post it to your YouTube account, then you need to consider the fair use factors and the fair use law in general. So the first thing is, if you're going to do one of those things, the number one tip is to ask for permission. And as your social media lawyer, I always request that you get written permission for any use of copyrighted work. That way you can adequately document it at the time. 
The second thing I want you to do and the second tip that I have for you is that if you really, really, really want to use this copyrighted work and you can't get permission, I would want you to think about whether or not you really need this copyrighted work to express yourself. If you decide that you actually do, then you have to move on to tip number three, which is per se fair use factors. You need to consider them. Is this use of the copyrighted work a criticism of the work, a commentary on the work, an educational purpose for the work, or a news reporting purpose for the work? Consider those as tip number three to determine whether or not your use of copyrighted material falls into those categories. Tip number four is to take it even deeper and consider those four fair use factors that the courts consider when they're determining whether or not there is copyright infringement. And those are the purpose and character of the use, commercial or nonprofit use of the copyrighted work, the nature of the copyrighted work, and the effect on the potential market. Basically, you can take yourself through the analysis of those four factors and determine, wait, listen, am I trying to replace the original copyrighted content? Am I trying to drag people who are usually listening to the original uh, song or looking at the original photograph and take them away and look at my photograph or look at my music or listen to my music? If you decide that after analysis of those factors, you have a fair use, then tip number five is to document that fair use. So if you are doing a YouTube video, then what you'd wanna do is you'd want to attribute the original creator of the art, you'd wanna cite to that person and explain the name of the person, the type of the art, the, the name of the art, the date on which the art was uh, made and include that in the description section of your YouTube video. If you're doing something else, if you're doing a podcast and you're using copyrighted material, you'd want to include it in the show notes. If you're publishing it to a blog, then you'd certainly want to cite uh, the original creator's art in that blog. You want to do everything you can to document your fair use. You know, on YouTube, sometimes I uh, borrow other copyrighted content, but what I do is I write a, a kind of a quick paragraph to, to YouTube and I say, this use of this copyrighted material is fair, you know, under section 107 for these reasons. So I actually take YouTube through the analysis in the description section uh, so that I won't get a copyright claim or a copyright strike. So those are the five tips. You know, you need to ask permission, you need to do an analysis to think whether or not you really need the actual copyrighted art. If you do, you gotta move on to tip number three and you gotta consider the fair use per se factors. And then tip number four is to consider the in-depth fair use factors we talked about. And then tip number five is to document your use of copyrighted content so that you can adequately document later in time if someone accuses you of copyright infringement. Thank you very much for listening to today. I hope you got some value out of the talk. By the way, iancorzine.com is officially up and running. Go there if you'd like to get some more help on your social media law questions. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast, the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. If you could rate and review this podcast on Apple Music iTunes, I would really appreciate it so I can move up the charts. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you next week.